Welcome back to Third Base Dugout, episode 88, 12 away from CN, number one, uh, number 100. Um, and we are through one week of the MLB season, and we have a lot that has gone on that some of it's controversial, some of it is just flat out crazy like a rookie that is taking over the world by storm right now like your mean mercedes style um we have some upsets in week one got a lot going on mike we, we, we have a lot yeah man i'm excited um i don't want to jump the gun on this one but there was some stuff that as the old as the old guy on the show kind of kind of pisses me off a little bit yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about it, man. It's uh, it's I I, more than anything I'm happy. on that one, though. Yeah, more than anything, I'm happy that baseball is back, like where the games mean something, and yeah, you know, we're getting ready for you know the beginning of the season, uh, seeing who's you know comes out the gate strong. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but before we get started, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout, and. Uh, and go subscribe to our YouTube page, Dorm Room Sports, subsection Third Base Dugout, and go check out our episodes there. And um, I guess let's go ahead and jump into the the opening weekend recap. I mean, a lot uh, a lot happened. Let's uh, start. I mean, really, opening day was our first um, was our first day without. The, I guess, uh, without an episode. So um, our first day since we had an episode, let's put it that way. Um, and nothing too big happened on opening day other than the fact that the Padres were throwing a no-hitter through six. You Darvish was throwing a no-hitter through six and then came out of the game. Tim Hill immediately gave up a hit as soon as he came in. Uh, and then, again, on Friday night, which was the second second game of the season, um who was it? Uh, Shamanaya had a no hitter through seven. Tim Hill came in and immediately gave up the no hitter. So poor guy gave up the no hitter two nights in a row. That's just terrible. Like you couldn't just, well, let's give him a night off after the first one. Like I, I cannot right. believe that you sent him back out there with a no hitter going on. But uh, yeah. I think more of the story is more of the story is don't bring Tim Hill in when you have a no hitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anybody else, anybody else, but Tim Hill. Yeah, um, Padres ended up losing the first game though uh, to the Diamondbacks four to two because Seth Beer hit a walk off grand slam on opening day, which was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Like a, a rookie like that hitting a walk off grand slam on opening day. That's that's something that he will never forget, and, and I'm sure Diamondbacks will never forget that either. So, um, nothing else really really big happened on opening day at least in my opinion Shohei Otani looked really good for the for the Angels uh Braves looked terrible all weekend I think they ended up dropping the series to the Reds on the weekend and then can then proceeded to drop the series to the Nationals at the beginning of the week this past week so a little World Series hangover for them um not not pitching staff isn't looking great offense isn't looking great um Although D Gordon did have to pitch because the Braves are blowing out the Nationals by so much on I think it was Tuesday. So uh side note, I, I watched a clip on him earlier today while he was pitching and he hit Darno. So Darno's reaction was hilarious in and of itself. Yeah. But what I laughed at more was D Gordon's jersey. I'm like, geez, like the letters like in his last name, because he did, you know, go to the hyphenated strange Gordon. It like takes up his whole back. Like he's such a small guy. Like it looks like a little league jersey on a on a kid. You know when you first put his name on it, and it's like he can tuck his letters into his belt. So it's like if we, you know, maybe just put the words on top of each other or something. But that's like a long rainbow that goes you know across his back. So like, yeah, you know, it's shorten yeah. it. You know, just abbreviate something. Just make it look normal. It's like the modern day Saltimalakia when he was with, um, or Saltalamakia, Saltalamakia, not Saltimalakia. Mm -hmm. I, I can never remember that. Um, it's like the modern day Saltalamakia when he was with the Marlins because his name was so long with the Marlins because their their letter font is so much larger than the Red Sox. When he went over to the Red Sox, it looked at least somewhat normal on the jersey, but when, <laughs> when he was with the Marlins, it looked horrible. 
And now this is like a modern day version of that where it's like an upside down U on the jersey of like a name. Yeah, just do do the initials. Like maybe maybe at that point, just do DSG. Put on the back like DSG, D Strange Gordon. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't need the whole thing. Like imagine being that kid that's like a D Gordon fan and you're wearing that jersey to school. Like it's like you got the alphabet on your back. <laughs> you know? At that point, I think I would but, just get his Marlins jersey that just had Gordon on it. I, right. I don't even think I'd go through that. <laughs> I don't even think I could go through it. Oh, man. At all. Um, but uh, I guess a little bit more. The uh, Cardinals were back in action with uh, Pools hitting his first home run on Tuesday, I believe. Was it Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Uh, Pools yeah. hit his first home run off of Daniel Lynch. Um, of the Royals and um, a funny, funny thing about this. So in that same game, Andrew Kisner hit a home run. Okay. Albert Pujols is a hall of famer hitting a home run off of Daniel Lynch, who is in his first full season with the club. Okay. He's from Richmond, Virginia as am I. Okay. Also, are you, no, you're from, no, no, yeah, from Danville. Yeah. Um, well, originally. Danville. Originally, well, originally, originally Greensboro, North Carolina, but okay. Danville is okay. where I'm from. And yeah. Either way, all right. So Pools hit his, his home run off of Daniel Lynch, who is from Richmond, who then gave up a home run to Andrew Kisner, who is also from Richmond, and they graduated the same year in Richmond. Kisner just made it a little faster through the minor leagues. Oh, excuse me. Actually, Kisner graduated a year before Lynch. So apologize to that one. Apologies to that one. But they played each other in high school. And then Kisner hit a home run off of Lynch in his first start of the season. So it was, it was pretty cool, like little uh, sequence of events there. As yeah. uh, Lynch, Lynch in his first full season gave up the homer to Pujols and then gave up a homer to his high school rival. Um, yeah. it, so it's like my man was in diapers or at least being potty trained at the time that Pujols was first hitting homers. Like, that's crazy to think, you know, that that's, you know, 22 years ago, you know, he was like I said, probably in elementary school somewhere getting ready to go, probably still eating crayons and Pujols was hitting, you know, was hitting home runs, you know, so fast forward that 22 years later, you know, and you get it. I'm sure as a competitor, it sucks, but then you also think about, you're like, thing man that was Pujols like you know yeah. you kind of tip your hat to certain guys like it's not that he fed him you know a pitch to hit um you know and it was kind of cool because um so just not a little weird turn of events with that one uh right before Pujols is homer Arenado at homer and Arenado has said plenty of times that Pujols was one of his favorite players growing up and he actually mm-hmm. you know show you know uh uh you know push for him to get them get him last year after he got released from the Angels um, but you know, to see those guys go back to back, you know, it was kind of cool. But like I said, you know, Pujols has been doing this since, you know, some of the pitchers now in the big leagues were, you know, were still in grade school, you know, finding out what baseball was all about. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, some at least similar to that, um, Spencer Torkelson got his first hit of the big leagues on uh, Tuesday as well, I believe. I think, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hit his first home run on, on, on Wednesday. But his first hit came against Rich Hill. And Spencer Torgelson was born in 1999. Rich Hill was first drafted in 1999. So pretty cool to get your first hit off a guy who was drafted the same year that you were born. Yeah. Um, so fun, fun with numbers there and ages. Right. Uh, a, lot, a lot going on here early in the season. But um, again and- – with with Daniel Lynch, I I can't remember the exact number, but I think the most fascinating stat I always find about Albert Pujols, and yes, I can't remember the exact number, but it's how many different pitchers he's hit a home run off of. Like it's not like it's just one guy that he has like twenty something plus homers off of. He hit homers off of like four hundred and something different pitchers. Like unbelievable. So again, that's like a tip of the cap. You're like, okay, well, I got added to <laughs> to that list. But if you think about it, that's a pretty incredible list you know, to get put on where you're like, Hey, I'm one of 400 and some plus guys. It wasn't just me that he took yard. You know, he's done this to a lot of different guys. So yeah, um, I was a little sad that I missed it live because 
I am trying to go to the gym consistently. My goal is to drop about 15 to 20 over the next three months before my wedding anniversary. Um, So I'm walking in the gym. I'd already known that I was going to have my phone set up. MLB TV had the game going. As soon as I get on the treadmill, like I'm starting to set my phone up and like I'm looking at the notification or like looking at the home screen as I'm getting ready to hit, you know, to watch it. And it shows the score change. And I was like, dang, I missed something. Sure enough, it was Pujols' homer. So I was a little sad, but I was also excited, you know, to see the replay. And then I feel like that everybody, every baseball player needs a Yachty as a friend. Like Yachty was probably more excited, you know, than Pujols was. So I'm like, hey, look, as you know, (laughs) I, I want my son to have a teammate like Yachty that gets just as excited as he does, you know, for for a hit. So it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a few more little notes around first week. Um, obviously, Bobby Witt, uh, top prospect in baseball, came up immediately, to, made an impact, had a game-winning uh, double, a two-RBI double for the Royals in the first game and on opening day, which was really cool for him. Get his mm-hmm. welcome to the big leagues moment there. Uh, actually hit a triple off of Casey Mize tonight. So young guy on young guy um, there. And then uh, uh, obviously we talked about Torgelson earlier. And then uh, Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan has saw 116 straight pitches without um, swing and missing to start his uh, to start his MLB career. And uh, he was taken over uh, the world by storm in that first week of the season. Uh, he he. I think it, he got on base what thirteen straight times. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, thirteen so. straight times. Um, obviously, if you were to pick a rookie of the year in the first week of the season, it would be Stephen Kwan because he went. Uh, he, he was just unbelievable for for a um, uh, for a rookie to do that in the first week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a few. Uh, one quick note here: uh, Miguel Cabrera is currently six hits away from three thousand. He is three for three tonight against the Royals. So that puts him at 2,994 for his career. So um, keep an eye on that. He might do it before we record another episode. He might not. We'll see. But if he keeps on this pace, he's been like 400 right now. So he, um, if he keeps on this pace, we will be talking about his 3,000 hit tomorrow uh, next week. (laughs) Right. Um, Back to Stephen Kwan for a minute. I'll be honest. I've missed like his whole run, his whole stretch just because – I got so locked into, you know, the birds on the bat. I didn't realize that he had got off to that great of a start until I was playing MLB The Show and he was supercharged. I was like, why is this 61 common supercharged to a 90? And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense now. But, yeah, I had absolutely no idea. I was just like, there's got to be something broke with the game. But yeah. realize, you know, he'd actually got to a great start. But, yeah, um, you know, Miggy is one of those guys that I would dare – you know, I would I would feel confident putting him in that conversation as top my lifetime top three top two really one or two actually would go to um, best right handed hitters of all time and and that I've seen like him and Pujols like the stretches of dominance that they had yes I'm dropping another Pujols plug because I'm excited that he's back in St Louis <laughs> but you know I think that you know for a guy like Miggy for his consistency. You know, triple crowns, you know, are one thing, you know, but that 3,000 hits is going to be special for him. So I'm yeah. excited to actually talk about it, you know, in a, in a few days. I'll give him a few days. Yeah, obviously got his 500th home run towards the end of the season last year in April – or excuse me, in August. Uh, it was, I believe it was August 23rd was the exact date against the Blue Jays. So we'll see. Um, I'm planning on seeing going to America for the first time this year, um, seeing them in June. And I was really hoping – like, I really was – selfishly hoping that Mickey would go like on a slump until June. And like, I would see him hit his 3000th hit in person, but that's a major um, slump. <laughs> that is a major, major slump. But, um, you know what? I, I'm happy for him. I mean, he's my favorite player of all time. So um, that's going to be super exciting to watch. Um, I got to, as soon as he gets to like 297 or uh, 2,997, I've got to really start locking in the games. Cause I missed his 500th home run. Cause I was at a wedding. So I have to, I really have to see his 3,000 thing. Um, but uh, pretty awesome for him there. And then um, last bit of news that came out today, uh, Mackenzie Gore makes his debut tomorrow, which is Friday, which uh, th- that's when 
Actually, this might release tonight. Uh, you know what? We'll release this before midnight tonight. So it will be tomorrow on Friday that he makes his debut against the reigning world champs. So um, big week for rookies. Big week for rookies yeah. uh, coming up. And exciting to to see the um, the young stars of baseball shining right now. Yeah, it's definitely great for the game, you know, where you see the young guys being able to come in and to just play. You know, so it, it kind of reminds you of like, uh, at least reminds me of like an NBA type of situation. You know, you got these young guys, you know, they're going to be out there playing and getting their experience, but it also allows for them to build, you know, a fan base, you know, and people that have followed them through their careers so far, you know, through the minors, through high school, you know, so it's one of those moments where, yes, it's exciting for them, but it's just as exciting for you know, the fans and friends of everybody else, you know, to feel not that you necessarily played a part in it per se, you know, but to see those guys get there, you feel like you've, you know, just live vicariously through them through that moment. So, um, you know, the young guys coming up, even though that my pick right now is struggling, Jose Rodriguez, I need you to get it together. I mean, Julio Rodriguez, I need you to get it together. Yeah. Uh, but hey, you know, my, my NL rookie of the year hit, uh, hit, hit two bombs the other, the other day against the Giants. It was exciting. I was like, let's go. There we go. I finally got on the board at two homers. This game. <laughs> I, I had told you, like I had sent you, sent this to you in a text. I was so close when we were picking NL rookie of the year to go with CJ Abrams, especially with Tatis out. He had a home run. I think they, yeah. I didn't think they were going to call him up like so soon. Cause he was coming off like a broken leg or something last year. So I was mm -hmm. like, dang, he's probably not going to start, you know, the year up there. But then he came right up and I was like, but he's probably going to win rookie of the year, and I don't have that on tape now. So maybe I don't fault. know. I mean, we'll see what happens when Tatis comes back. Uh, I don't know what they're yeah, going to. They'll do. probably do something weird, like put Tatis at like Left catcher or something. Yeah. Like it's just some I, they, they love just moving him around for no reason. <laughs> right? They'll make him a two-way player. He'll pitch yeah. and then go, and go to like a second. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Uh, Let's come with the with the opening day recaps or opening week recaps. And how about we get into some storylines for the week? Um, well, storylines to really go in depth on at least. Uh, the let's start with the Mets and the Nationals. Uh, first week, uh, first series of the weekend, and uh, bench is clear. And uh, that's because Francisco Lindor got hit in the face one night, um, and then the ensuing night. Uh, Pete Alonso guy in the face, or am I, I might have I might have switched those two around. I can't remember who was first, who was second, but either way, uh, Mets didn't take too kindly to it, and um, they came out of the dugout and a little scuffle. Nothing, nothing really too big. Just a bunch of yelling at each other. But um, either way, they did not take too kindly to it, and bench is clear in the first weekend of the series or first series of the weekend, and. Um, and then Pete Alonso hits a grand slam on Sunday and all of a sudden shushes the crowd, which that one I didn't quite understand. You're shushing a crowd that, I mean, their, their team is going to win like 60 games. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know about shushing the Nationals crowd. Maybe if they were playing the Yankees or something, but yeah. What you got on, what do you have on that? I mean, it's a very weird situation. I mean, obviously it's not intentional to throw in, up and in the two guys like that, but I get the frustration. Yeah. I mean, like, I get it, which is why even last year when the crackdown on the sticky stuff came, I was against it. You know, not from a standpoint that I wanted to see pitchers just dominate, but if it gives them more control, you know, like also taking take into account for anybody to just play baseball, it is hard to necessarily keep a grip on a ball when the weather isn't you know, 70 or plus, you know, or if you're in a warmer climate or something like that, like it becomes a little tough, you know, so now you're having, you know, more errant pitches and whatnot. But like I said, from a safety aspect of it, I understand it. Hey, look, you know, these are two of our bigger guys that we're counting on, you know, so we, we just want to try to send this message to everybody that this is not okay. You know, whether it was intentional or not, we're not going to take it. I get it. You know, but like, I don't think it was intentional, but also at the same time, like, eh, I mean, it's the Nationals. This is like, you know, <laughs> it, bully somebody else, right? Like, yeah, yes, like exactly. you stand up for yourself, but bully somebody else at that point or, okay, I'm sorry, kids. Bullying is not okay in any situation. We don't bully. But at the same time, 
<laughs> right? Like pick pick on somebody. What they say? Pick on somebody your own size, right? Yeah, like exactly, do right. that do that in a series where it matters because it's not like the Nationals are going to be that competitive with you guys, you know, down the stretch where it's going to make a difference. You know that you got something to fuel you. So I'm just like, yeah, me made for good TV. Um, I would have loved to have seen John Boy's um, breakdown of it. I miss those if he did any. So baseball season's back because now I can watch John Boy yeah. you know, give the breakdowns. So. Absolutely. Um, my biggest takeaway here, it has nothing to do with the actual game, but it feels like the Mets are trying to become the villain in a way. Like, obviously nothing was intentional there, but I get the frustration. You have two superstars go down, like, because they got hit in the face or the head in back-to-back games. And, and I understand that, like control your pitches. I mean, I, I get it. You're a major league pitcher. You got to control that, control it a little better. But the shushing of the crowd, like, why are you trying to become the villain? Like, like you're, that's your, that's your crosstown rivals job is to be the villain. And they always have been and always will be. They will always be the villain. I mean, maybe the Astros are the villain of, of baseball now, but like when they really shouldn't be. I mean, we're five years removed from that. But the Mets are not going to ever be the villain. Never. They will never compete with the Bronx Bombers. They will never compete with the greatest franchise in Major League Baseball history. <clears throat> My bad. Keep going. Keep going, Mike. Mike, it's have, not that. But it's not series than you guys. Yeah, but at the same time, they were playing. It, they won. Actually, wait, do you have nine or eleven? eleven. How, how many do you have? You got eleven. Okay, got 11. Yeah, okay. They have sixteen more World Series. Yeah, they look. But, they they double your World Series and then some. Like I'm yeah, just saying. But that was only when they were playing like the same eight teams every year. Like okay, sure. Either way. Either way, and we're not going to get there. Rabbit hole. Either, <laughs> Rabbit hole alert. <laughs> um, either way, like, why are you trying to, like, hard to become the villain? Why is Pete Alonso shushing a crowd of a team that is horrendously bad? Like, horrendously bad. If you're in a rivalry game with a team like the Braves or the Phillies or the Yankees or something like where there's a lot of hatred between the two of you and there's two good teams playing each other, I understand it because that's just flat-out bad blood. And that's just good baseball at that point. But in all reality, you're facing the Nationals who won like 30 games last year. And you're shushing a crowd of about 300 that are there in Nats Park to probably watch you play. Right. No one's there no, to watch the Nationals. Let's be real. No. Like, no one's there to watch the Nationals because no one cares no. about the Nationals now. No one cares. It's not 2019 anymore. They're not the World Series champs anymore. They – I rest my case. I, I, no, I, I get it. I, like, I, digress. Well, but... I digress on that one. I just don't like no. the fact that the Mets are trying – to buy their way into being the villain. Also, pause on that really quick. Austin Meadows, by the way, Tigers traded for him, obviously, right before the season started. Mm-hmm. He's batting about 500 through uh, through like nine games, and he just had another RBI to put us in the lead against the Royals. So nice. I, I might get his jersey at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> he, started, yeah, like, he started every game but one and is batting like 500 right now. <laughs> Which I told you, like when that, like when the trade went through, I texted and I was like, "That's a good pickup for y'all." Like, dude is solid, Love right? It. Like, so he kind of, kind of went under the radar going from Pittsburgh to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's under the radar in Tampa Bay. Unless your name well, was that's because Glass now was in the deal with him. Like, that kind of sucks exactly. to the radar on that. Right, you know, but like I said, I, I knew he was going to be a good bat for you guys. Granted, yes, it is early in the season, but what even when he comes down to earth, he's still going to be at a really good spot. But yeah, back to the Mets, the Mets real quick. This is like, okay, so sidebar. Because I know this goes into like our next topic to talk about because it's another bench clearing thing. To me, that was always stupid. Like major league is like, okay, I can understand it to a degree. College to a to a certain degree. High school, honestly, we never had the benches clear, but I would have absolutely loved to have That'd that. Be awesome man, I, I would have loved that. I got close to a couple of situations and I instigated a couple of those. But either way. Um, 
pro guys aren't going to fight. Like most guys aren't, right? Because then when you think about it, no, because you're thinking about it, you're like, hey, does this really make a lot of sense for me financially? My game check compared to especially like a, a reliever that's coming in, like Pete Alonzo's game check or, you know, Francisco's Lindor's game check that you get when you get suspended, you lose that money. And it's not worth it. Like, OK, hey, like I might chirp at you for a quick second. Hey, man, get it down or hey, watch what you're doing. Be careful. Yeah. You know, something like that. But I'm like, yeah, this let's just throw out some random numbers. Right. Let's just say if it's a $250,000 game check compared to you who are on a minimum contract that you're probably only going to lose about, let's say 10,000. No, you're not worth me fighting. <laughs> like, you're not no. worth it. If I'm going to like fight somebody at that point, it's going to be another big dollar guy. So like, then we both got something to lose. Like, mm-hmm. Hey Max, if you want to fight cool, because now we both have something to lose. So I know that it's in that case, going to be a fair fight. Other than that, yeah. I'm not fighting you minimum league uh, like minimum salary guys or just no. take the amir Guerra out and just fight an entire team yeah uh, now we make that's the salaries add worth up. right there yes. that's getting your money's worth yes now we make the salaries add up <laughs> 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 but i'm not gonna fight like if i'm if i'm a high paid player i'm not fighting i'm not fussing with a minimum league guy like a minimum salary guy the checks don't add up i pff, cool call me a punk call me whatever that's fine you're not literally worth the money at that point to fight you. So, yes, that's my whole thing on Bitcoin Brawls. Like, I know I'm not saying I want to incite violence or see guys, like, actually fight. But then if that's the case, if we can kind of get past the whole, you know, bench clearing thing, and then you're the sucker. Like, if you're that guy that doesn't get off the bench fast enough, then everybody in the dugout looks at you weird. For what? For what? Yeah. Like, I'm probably that – now put me on the reverse. I'm the minimum league guy. Yeah, I'm probably not getting off the bench for the for the big pay guys. For what? Very so good. I'm gonna get suspended. I'm gonna lose this little bit of money that I'm making. You'll be okay. I I got to worry about how I'm gonna make this up in the off season. You know. So I will say I do miss the like the fights between like Nolan Ryan and Isaac Ian and like the, yes. the Veritech and, and A Rod and like. Like the, these awesome, like classic fights that you always see. Like it was, it, <laughs> Cueto getting pinned up behind the, the backstop yeah, in Cincinnati like, versus the Cardinals. It's like I miss those in baseball. Like, you know, like yeah. how, like obviously the era of social media now, like it would grow base, like not even gonna lie, it would grow baseball so much if they just started brawling like once a week. <laughs> like if, if we had those rivalries, like, like say uh I don't know, say no one's gonna throw a judge. Uh say Gallo and Nathan Avaldi had like had like beef. And like Nathan Avaldi's throwing 99 up and into Gallo, all of a sudden domes him and Gallo's charging them out and they're just throwing haymakers at each other. And then next time out, the entire world is gonna watch Nathan Avaldi throw against Joey Gallo. The entire world, because they just want to see them brawl again. Yeah. Like I know awesome. that part I agree. Like, granted, we <laughs> it would you know kind of suck after a walk. It's like, ah, dang, bro, Galloway never playing no more because you know. But the fun thing is that if he did actually hit Avaldi, that would be like a first because we know that there's no shift there in your face, right? Like, he can get through that one. <laughs> Couldn't get through the shift on the infield, but he can punch him in the face. But no, like no, I, I agree. But like I said, it's it's that fact of. If you're actually going to do it, then do it, right? Like, you would have a hard time convincing me that if I'm really that upset during a game or during a situation that the catcher and the umpire are going to be able to hold me back. Like, I just don't see that happening. Like, there's no – you're not that mad that the catcher and the umpire can hold you back. Some One of them has to take take some punishment for it because – if I'm that upset, no, I'm not. I'm getting to the pitcher. I'm getting to somebody. Somebody's going to pay for what just happened. You know, so when you get upset and it's like all oh, the catchers barely touch me, the catcher still has his mitt on. Like he's just got it in your chest. He doesn't even have a grip on you. That means that you really didn't want any, didn't want any action. So let's just go ahead and go to first base and, you know, tweet about it later and be like, oh, you punk, you threw at me, like those type of things. But like, let's not slow down the game 
for the lack of an actual fight. Like, let's get to it. Well, that that can kind of bring us to our next part is like, uh, so the Cubs and Brewers played opening weekend, and I, I don't even know the exact number of guys that were hit, but it was a lot. A lot of players got drilled in that series, and um, some of them might have been intentional, some of them not. Probably by like the third or fourth, it might have become intentional. But um, eventually, a rookie Cubs pitcher hits Andrew McCutcheon, which then sparks a benches clearing. And the whole gripe that McCutcheon had, which he is like on video saying it to the pitcher, is like, if you're going to hit me, do it on the first pitch. And that is, I completely agree with McCutcheon there. Don't throw a slider or a cutter away just to get him comfortable in the box, just to drill him in the ribs on the next pitch. You don't do that. Like, that that's not something you do. Like, and you have to know that as, as a major league pitcher where you can't – like if you're going to hit somebody intentionally, do it on the first pitch. McCutcheon said, I would have just walked down the first without a gripe if he hit me on the first pitch because I just know how this game works. He's like, I've been around long enough to where if I got hit intentionally, I know it's coming. Hit me on the first pitch. I'll walk down to first, and you won't hear a peep out of me. But he said he threw him a cutter away first, so McCutcheon got a little comfortable in the box, and then he hits McCutcheon intentionally with – actually, on the – Buddy had four tries at this, by the way. Let's not forget that. Buddy had four tries at hitting McCutcheon. Cutter away that he intentionally threw. First fastball inside, which missed McCutcheon. Second fastball inside, missed McCutcheon. And then he finally hit him with the third one. Like, hold on. If you're going to throw the cutter away, number one, and then try to intentionally hit him, you get one try at that. (laughs) You get one try. You don't try to do it three times before you actually succeed. If you miss him inside, all right, whatever. We'll hit Yelich. But, like, (laughs) Don't continue yeah. to throw inside. That's just burying your case even more. Yeah. And McCutcheon had a reasonable gripe, and he took to the press conference afterwards, rightfully so. McCutcheon's a very well-respected baseball player, former MVP, et cetera. But he had a great point, in my opinion, about do it on the first pitch because that's just the way it's supposed to be, and that's how, how you respect people and keep people away from getting injured, basically. Yeah. No, I, I get it. But, like, after those first two times missed – if I'm McCutcheon, I probably would have had to call the minimum salary guy <laughs> off the bench to say, hey, go take care of that one. Like, I'll pay your fine. That's fine. Like, I'll yeah. pay that. Like, yeah. that's that's not much to me right now, but I'll pay that. Because, like you said, if, if it's going to happen, let it happen on the first one. Um, but, like, a slight deviation, but it still ties into it because uh, of, like, showing guys up and guys getting hit and all this stuff. Um, Jace Young from Texas Tech hit a homer off of Texas and he was motoring around the bases, but he was chirping the entire time. Right. So one of my buddies that posted on Facebook, so, you know, there's a little dialogue going and somebody was like, well, you know, I would love to see what happened his next at bat with the bruise and stuff like that. At one point I was that guy, as much as I am the old school guy, I was like, no, don't do that. Like don't show up your opponents, but that's also like that. Okay small rant that's such dumb stuff that we were taught as kids like oh don't show up your opponents no i if you don't want me i to hit a bomb off of you i'm gonna show you up around on the bases yes now at that point if you don't want me to show you up you don't want me to celebrate stop me from doing it right like mm-hmm. stop me from being able to do what that happened like now that doesn't mean that you throw at me per se to stop it strike me out if you strike me out and pump your chest if you do a backflip you do a cartwheel handstand whatever hey you earn that moment right but I also look at that as even with big league rules of, of things or like those unwritten rules of, hey, if that happened, if it's going to happen, whatever led to that, whether if it was you didn't like the way that a guy reacted to something or, you know, it being something where, you know, you're just throwing at guys intensely to kind of get the payback for your other team, like for your teammates. Like, if we think about it, it's actually dumb because I'm going to hit you and put a runner on base which could possibly score and only make my situation worse. What would be better is if I strike you out, strike you out and then yell at you. Like I, if I struck out the side in the big leagues, I would yell at everybody. 
Like, yeah. hey, go back to the dugout. Keep it walking. You know, do some little showboaty thing or whatever. But like I said, the whole hitting batters mm-hmm. thing, I understand it from being a purist of the game, but it's also outdated and stupid. Like, yeah. I would much I rather you flex, rip your shirt up and go, you know, go Incredible Hulk if you want to. I mean, you know, shoot, but, just strike him out and just flip him a couple birds as he's walking back to the dugout. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it'd be yeah, fun. And, that's, that's how you yes. make baseball fun. Throwing at people's heads is not fun. No, at Which, all. Which, given when you intentionally throw at somebody, you don't generally throw at the head. Let's just put that out there. Like, don't kids. Don't, don't, don't throw at the head. Please don't throw at somebody's Shoulders head. and below. The ribs are more him tender. In, you hit them in the butt and you move on. That's, that's the way it goes. But, no, you got to make it worth it. Get them in the ribs. See yeah. how much some ribs cost. You know what I mean? Well. Let's throw some ribs on the slab. Let's throw some ribs on the grill. I, yeah, I only say the butt because uh, McCutcheon, when his his example was that um, the why he what got so mad about it was previously in his career, um, a pitcher had done the same thing where he threw a slider away, got McCutcheon comfortable in the box, and then hit him in the ribs and actually broke a, it broke his rib. And he's like, I like if I did if I knew it was coming, I could have turned and been like all right, I'll just take that in the back or something like, uh, no, he didn't expect the inside fastball and end up hitting him in the rib and he broke a rib and was out for a while. Like, yeah. Kid just aim for the butt. Just aim for the butt. Sean Murphy. I get it. To be, to be, to be, uh, that was in a, what an incredible video. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. What an incredible video. Like, how do you even time that up so well that you just like bump the ball off you? That's like unbelievable. Right. Either way, I digress on that one. Are we ready to move on? Yeah, because I don't, I don't have any minimum uh, salary guys around right now. So we'll keep well, going. <laughs> let's talk about a guy who's not necessarily a minimum salary. Um, Clayton Kershaw. This was a fun one. Oh, boy. Um, Wednesday afternoon, Dodgers were playing the Twins at uh, in Minnesota. Clayton Kershaw's first start of the season coming off shoulder injury. Has a perfect game through seven innings. As is through 80 pitches. Mm-hmm. And Dave Roberts pulls him with a perfect game and 80 pitches. Uh Alex Vesia came in, I believe it was. Gave up a hit to Gary Sanchez through the right side as the baseball gods wanted that to happen. Um and Dave Roberts caught a lot of grief, a lot of grief, especially from me. I had, I yelled at my TV a few times. Um, I was not very happy with Dave Roberts, and I will die on the hill of the fact that Dave Roberts is not a good manager. I will die on that hill. Um, but that's beside the point. Uh, either way, Clayton Kershaw was pulled in a perfect game after seven innings and 80 pitches and was not allowed to finish, and they gave up the perfect game and the no-hitter after he was removed. The best part of it was Austin Barnes in the dugout as he's hugging Clayton Kershaw. Like he's giving him like a side hug, like not even like a full hug, like a congratulations hug. He's giving him a side hug because he's just side-eyeing Dave Roberts. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, why are you taking him out? It's hilarious when your catcher is even doing that. And Kershaw is just trying to hug everybody in the dugout. And Austin Barnes is like pissed off at Dave Roberts <laughs> for not letting Kershaw go. But either way, it's – Beyond me, and we're not – I'm not ready to move in this new era of baseball of not letting pitchers finish these type of games. You're at 80 pitches, and I've never seen a perfect game thrown that was over 110 pitches. I don't know if you have, but it's a perfect game for a reason. Cool. That means you're getting yeah. guys out quick, and they're not, yeah. they're not generally long at bats. So I'm thinking he's going to have 100 to 105 pitches max – Total. Yeah, yeah, and, I get it. He's 36 or 37, 38, however the hell old he is. But, like, buddy, that, that, like, there's only been 23 perfect games in MLB history. Let him finish it. That's a, that's a part of history that, I mean, that he's never been able to do. He's done a couple of no-hitters, but he's never been able to have a perfect game. Yeah. And, okay, here's me being the old guy back on the stoop again. I Okay, first before I get there. Kershaw said everything right at the at the post-game presser at his locker, right? Like, hey, I knew I couldn't go 100 pitches today. You know, it was the right call. Can't throw your manager on the bus. Right. Get it. Completely get it. But it's like 
no one goes into like, yes, every pitcher would love to go into the game thinking, hey, I'm going to throw a perfect game today. Right. But that's not the thought. It's just like, hey, let me execute my pitches. You know, let's minimize damage. Let's, you know, be effective, do what I do best. Right. But when you get there, even though he's saying, hey, I couldn't have won 100 pitches today. We don't know. We don't know if you could have because one, you weren't given that opportunity. Right. But then second of all, you're at 80 pitches through seven innings. That's roughly like 11 and a half pitches per inning. But who's to say you don't get a quick inning? Because now being on a, a never really been on a team that got a perfect game thrown against me, you know, but it's also one of the situations where it's like you notice that guys start to press a little bit more. They're swinging earlier trying to get hits. So who's to say you have an eighth inning and you don't come out and have like a five pitch in it, right? Now you're at 85 pitches through eight. So you got about 15 pitches to work with there and you're way below the average. Yep. Young pitchers, young guys that are getting ready to, you know, that are throwing, yada, yada. They say ideally 15 pitches per inning. Ideally. Mm-hmm. Like at the most you want to be at like 15 to 16 pitches per inning, like being efficient with that, right? You're way below that. Pitch count wise, like you're in a good spot. And I think that when you have a guy that gets pulled in that situation, especially for who Kershaw is to that organization, that's why you let him go in that moment. Like he's, he's never done it before. Like I said, yes, he's thrown no hitters, but he hasn't had a perfect game before. And it's early in the season. So you're saying, hey, even if this means that we have to skip a start or so to let him kind of rest and recover from that, this is the perfect time to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's, you know, close to the all-star break or like the middle of July or August. And, you know, he's already had 13 or 14 starts and still got to make 13 or 14 more. It's the beginning of the year, Right. So even if he goes out and he burns it, you know, after one start and you have to skip him the next time in rotation, it's the perfect time to do it, right? But let that man get history, you know, because now he's going to leave and be like, hey, I was perfect for seven. So as much as he says all the right stuff and all that stuff, it's still going to be in the back of his mind, could I have finished that? Could I have finished, you know, a perfect game and given myself another notch on my belt? you know, for being the greatest pitcher of our generation, and I'm throwing a, a perfect game at 36. Yeah, and, I mean, odds are he, he might have given up a, a hit in the eighth inning or something and or even a walk in the eighth inning. Yeah. And, like, you can take him out on a no-hitter. That's fine, fine. Take him out on a no-hitter. Right. Don't take him out of a perfect game. No. There are, there are seven – five to seven no-hitters thrown just about every single year. Yeah. Don't care if you have a combined no-hitter. Literally could care less. A perfect game, there are no such things as a combined perfect game. Never. Never has been done in Major League history. And probably, well, at this point, it might be done in Major League history because of the way that we're rolling now. But you you just don't do that. Right. So even, even, okay, so here's, here's another side to this. Well, another layer to it. Even if I'm going to pull him at that moment, I'm going to try to bring in my best arms. Yeah, like Alex after that. Yeah, you're, you're facing he's right. facing three righties. Why is he bringing yeah. in a lefty? Blake tried exactly. to up and like, moving, and he and he brought in a lefty. Yeah, like no no offense to Alex Vesey. I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy. They like him around there and all that good stuff. But if I'm going to pull my guy at that point, I'm going to bring in my best guys to lock down a piece of history. Not for me to say, hey, I managed the perfect game, but it's also to preserve what that guy did, you know, for those first seven innings. Mm-hmm. Yes, I might have had a six-run lead, but you dang sure better believe that at that moment I'm trotting out Blake Trinan and Craig Campbell right behind it, you know, depending on how Blake's inning goes in the eighth, just to try to preserve that for Kershaw. Yeah. You know, because now it's like, well, if not now, then when, if he gets another opportunity, like, because in the middle of the season, you're definitely going to pull him, you know, because you're like, oh, well, you know, pitch count got high or whatever, or he's older and, you know, yada, yada. like you're going to constantly make excuses for that. That man deserved that right on that day to at least try to finish what he started. If he failed, you know, as far as, 
you know, getting a perfect game, cool. Like you can let him live with that mm-hmm. because then all he has to regret is, oh, if I wouldn't have made that pitch or if I didn't second guess this curveball and threw a slider instead, you know, maybe that doesn't happen or maybe I don't walk. Yeah, maybe he doesn't get a hit. But to not even get that chance, like that's crazy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we can move on. Still great outing by Clayton Kershaw. Um, great start to the season for him coming on a new contract. Um, lastly, let's continue with the unwritten rules of baseball. Um, Mauricio Dubon, a Giants player, they were blowing out – who was it? Who was it? Padres. Padres, I think it was, right? Yeah, because Bob Belvin was just on a dugout. Um, yeah. Mauricio Dubon bunted in like a 10-run game or a 9-run game against the Padres, and the Padres didn't like it, which, sure, I I, I, th- I guess I get it, but at the same time, I, I don't understand the gripe about it. Um, actually, I understand the gripe about it a little bit more now that the t- one game or like the tiebreakers for playoffs have come out because originally it was thought that it could be under run differential, but now that it's not, I understand the gripe a little bit more from the Padres. But um, either way, so the Padres came out and said, like, worry that that's what what the hell what the heck are we doing like this is like you don't do that in a, in a blowout it's almost like swinging on a 3-0 pitch like like Tatis which yeah swing on a 3-0 pitch if you want to just don't groove a fastball like, it's just the way it is yeah. um but Gabe Kapler came out uh after the game and was like look we're we're here to play baseball. We're like, we're going to score as many runs as we can. We're going to have great at-bats and, and we're going to play to our strengths. And if your strength is bunting, then then you're going to bunt for a hit. These guys are playing a game the way it's supposed to be played. And um, which I understand Kapler's point, Kap, Kapler's point too. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I don't have a side here. I don't, I don't really know which team I, I, I go for in this one um, because I see both sides, but um, at the end of the day, it's baseball. Like, do whatever you need to do. You're, you're trying to make yeah. money. Do whatever you need yeah. to do. And, like, this is Mauricio, like, his, you know, first real taste of being a big leaguer. Like, yeah, he debuted in 2019. But you also factor in that we had the COVID-shortened season. Don't know how much he actually played or whatnot. So, looking back over, yes, 452 at-bats. Still relatively young, you know, in that. But at the same time, I'm, this is the old guy getting off the stoop. In those blowout situations, those at-bats still count for guys. Yeah, of course. Right? Like, just, just because we're up 10 doesn't mean that my bat now doesn't count because all of a sudden this unwritten rule of, hey, I'm supposed to be nice. No, like, if if because what, what happens is that sometimes when you bunt, and from a guy that used to bat lead off when I was, you know, a little bit skinnier and, you know, could move a little bit better. Sometimes bunting helps you see the ball. So it's not even about that particular bat. You know, it's about, hey, I'm trying to make sure now I can track the ball better, right? Because when you're bunting, you literally have to see the ball hit the bat. You know, sometimes your swing can get off and you're pulling off the ball. You're not seeing it all the way to the point of contact. But when you're bunting, you have to stay head down onto the ball or onto the barrel, you know, to see the ball hit it. You know, so sometimes in those situations, it's like, hey, I'm going to drop down a bunt here. Not because I'm trying to show you up, but I'm also trying to make sure that when we play all tomorrow night that I'm seeing the ball better. So I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, man. Like, you know, the pitcher still throwing. If you're that upset about it. So here's an extreme, but it's going to make sense. If you're that upset about it, while you're getting blown out, stop bringing in guys that's throwing 90 plus because those guys are trying to strike the batters out. Just bring in guys that are just going to lob it up there and then everybody's just going to take pitches or better yet, walk off the field and say, hey, we we got run ruled. We concede. We don't want to play the rest of the game. If you're not going to do that and your guys are still expecting to take full grown man at bats, then don't complain about what happens to you on the other side. Pull your skirts down. You're showing yourself. 
and we need to play man baseball instead of, you know, this girly stuff of all, oh, well, you know, it's unwritten rules. And of all people, of all teams, it's the Padres. Tatis swung 3-0 last year. Granted, yes, it was a different manager, right? But where is a guy that's known that will swing at a 3-0 count in a big lead? Mm-hmm. And you want to complain about it. Like, stop crying. Like, your mascara is running. I will say, uh, so two things. One, I will say it was good on the Giants' part, too, because I believe they took Dubon out right after he did it because uh, he was, I believe, safe on the play. And then mm-hmm. I believe they took him out right after, and you could see some of the veterans and, like, the coaches, like, like bringing him in and, and being like, you really can't do that. Like, but at the end of the day, in a press conference, you have to defend your guy. But you you could tell that they were like, all right, this is a teaching moment for a young guy like Blug in a in a in a, in a blowout like that. You don't necessarily bunt for a hit. However, I understand what you're doing. But I was really on the Giants side when it was being talked about that game one, like instead of the game one sixty three, it was going to be based on run differential for the playoff. And at that point, I'm like, score all the runs you can. I don't care. Like, just go score, 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 score. You can win games 40 to two for all I care. But like, now that it's a bunch of like weird interleague stuff and all that, it's a little bit different. Um, either way, I have zero opinion on this, really. So, so here's the thing, and we can we can get ready to move off this next. Get to the close here in a second. To me, if I'm Dubon at that point, right, I have a mixed feeling about Gabe Kapler. Here's why. Soon as it happened, you seem like you could see it on the replays. You know, Gabe Kapler goes over to him. Looks like he's chewing him out a little bit, right? And then he gets to the press conference and he wants to defend it. Oh, no, you know, yada, yada, yada. I have a problem with that. I got a problem with it. Because you know we're in a dugout. You know there's cameras all around here. And, yes, I even if I think about it right afterwards, like, I'm not, and the crazy part is I don't necessarily think that Dubon necessarily thought about it at that moment. Like, hey, we're up nine, ten runs. Let me bunt here. It was just like, okay, I laid one down. Oh, shoot. Okay, it happened. But you know that there's a ton of cameras around here. You come over by me while I'm, you're putting my stuff away. And you're chewing me out, but then you get to the press conference and you're defending me. Which one is it? Which one is it? Am I wrong or am I right? That conversation is better had when you get to the dugout after the game. Show no emotion as a manager on that, right? Like if the other team is barking at you and then you start fussing at your own players, that's a bad look, right? Get to the get to the locker room, wait till the post game is like wait till the game is over, get to the locker room. Hey. Look, we are family in here, or this is a family environment, quote unquote, but we're going to handle this in-house. We're going to talk about it here before any reporters or anything come in. And then, yes, hey, look, I'm going to chew you out here, but no, I got your back in public. And when I get to the press conference, I will defend it. But you know where we stand on that internally. So like I said, that was my only beef with it was, you know, don't show me one thing as a player, especially as a younger player. Don't show me, hey, I'm wrong, but then go out and congratulate me on it mm-hmm. later. Like, tell me that in the dugout or in the clubhouse where nobody else is around. Pull me into the office. Chew me out as much as you want. Call me every type of bad word you can think of, but then also tell me at the end, hey, when I go out to this press conference, because you're my guy or one of my guys, I'm going to have your back, but just know that this is not okay between what we do here. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree. All right, let's move on here. Um, biggest overreaction, sorry, biggest overreaction to to the opening week. Um, mine, I think it's an overreaction for some, but probably not all. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Otani. Uh, he, he can't really hit right now. He's batting like 118. Um, and yeah, he threw well in the first, uh, first start of the season and tonight he gave up a grand slam in the second inning to the Rangers, but, um, really struggling to hit the ball coming off his MVP season. I don't know if, if, um, I don't, I don't know if he's got even another sniff at the MVP season back into him. 
We'll see, we'll see though. I, I mean, being a two-way player will always mount it or uh, thrust them towards the top. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm really concerned. I'm, I'm pretty concerned about Otani's batting right now. Um, my biggest overreaction is the take you just gave. We're like five games into the season, <laughs> right? And it's that overreaction. I don't know if you'll get back to the MVP level. Right? It's five games, right? So I can understand the concern. Like, it's an overreaction. I, That's why it's an <laughs> overreaction. But your overreaction to the overreaction? You can't, you can't, your overreaction cannot be an overreaction to my overreaction. <laughs> Yes, it is because you overreacted to the reaction that was over. That's the like, point. Okay, maybe I, but your reaction to it was just, phew. But no, uh, <laughs> the biggest overreaction for opening weekend, um, unwritten rules. Like, nobody cares. Shut up. Keep playing. <laughs> uh, you got 27 outs. Use them. Uh, stop trying. Let's play ball. If nothing else, this should give you fuel that if you're in that situation where the roles are reversed and you are up 10, Steal bases. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if it's considered uh, defensive indifference, whatever. Steal bases, hit and run, bunt, suicide squeeze. Throw it, guys, when you're up 10. Nobody cares at that point. Get your 27 outs. Get the win. Keep moving. Yeah. But let's oh, not overreact way, I, to you. I completely forgot that Gabe Kapler after the game was like, if we're getting – if we're in that situation where we're getting killed, he was like – Bunt, steal, do whatever, do do whatever you want. It was like you won't hear a gripe out of us. Yeah, I love like, that. I love it. Yes, I'm not gonna take long on this. I've coached in a game where the team that I was coaching, we were getting the dog crap beat out of us. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was bad. It was horrible. Like it got to a point where I I literally stopped watching the game. Like I was just sitting on a bucket, like doing. I think I might have just been like throwing sunflower seeds at the girl trying to make designs. I don't know. It was just that bad. But then I looked up and I was like, bro, why are they stopping? Like I would see the pitch, it would get hit. And then I was seeing which one of my outfielders was going to get the ball. Right. <laughs> like I was like, Hey, why is my right footer and left field getting the ball? Like, why is he <laughs> like, maybe he should play center next game. Like it was stupid stuff like that. <laughs> and this was like a freshman game. And I was like, oh, gosh, these guys, these guys, they don't look like anything I coach, so I'm going to let them finish this. But then, like, the coach, like, the other coach would stop his guys, and I literally yelled from the dugout, don't stop them anymore. Don't stop them. And, like, so after the inning was over, he was like, coach, what do you mean? I was like, they dug themselves this hole. They didn't play well. They made errors. They didn't pitch well. They're not listening at their bats. Don't bail them out by quote unquote being nice. No, run the score up. Let them know what this feels like to be beaten this bad so they never want to get beat like this again. Yeah. I'm all for it. Don't don't show me any pity and stop running. No. If run rule is 15 and you're up by 15, make it 30, right? Clearly we didn't deserve to be there. Um keep going. I don't yeah. care about I care about sportsmanship to a degree. But at the same time play the game because you're only hurting your players because now even big league ball, those at bat still count. Those things still matter. So now when a guy goes up there and excuse the language pisses off in at bat, now he might find himself in a slump because he's not taking that at bat seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, my biggest reaction is stop crying over that. Get your team better. You'll be okay. It's a long season that one game where a guy bunted against you in the first week of the season that you're already down 10. It's so minuscule compared to everything else. Yes, very small. And if at worst case, just go have your two minor or your two minimum uh, salary guys go fight and figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's get into some weekend picks. Uh, here are the standings from week one. We are one weekend of the season. Shelly leads seven as at seven and two. Um, and then I am right behind at six and three. Mike went five and four. So everybody went uh, winning record. So congratulations on that. Uh, but we're going to uh, close down the picks a little bit. We're going to uh, roll five picks per week. Um, and... With this week, we're going to go Astros at Mariners, Twins at Red Sox, Giants at Guardians, Rays at White Sox, and Diamondbacks at Mets. 
Um, Diamondbacks at Mets is a uh, three-game series, but we threw that one in there because we need a fifth. Yeah, and we also said that we were only going to add three-game sets. That way we don't have a situation like we did with the Guardians and Royals where, you know, it was a four-game set. Yes, somebody could technically win that, but you also have a chance to make a split. Oh, I forgot they split. Yeah, so that probably drops you down to five and four with me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you actually went five, three, and one, and so did I. Yeah. And Shelly went seven, one, and one. Two and one. Seven, one, and one, yeah. Yeah, Shelly went seven, one, and one. Wait, yeah, seven, one, and one, and I went five, three, and one. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, but you know what? Actually, you know what? We'll we'll give props to everybody. Shelly went eight and one. You went six and three, and I went. Uh, we'll we'll give wins to everybody. How about that? Are you participation trophy in us? I am gonna participation trophy this <laughs> because it's trial and error. So Shelly went eight and one. I went seven and three. Mike went seven. Mike went six and three. How did you? Oh, Mike went six so and, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, no, your record. Like six and, you went six and three. You gave yourself an extra participation. Oh, you're right. Trophy. You're right. You're right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You All just right, so fipped me. Kelly went eight. You one. just. You went six and three. I went six and three. Yeah. You just fipped everybody. Like participation trophies. Like what was <laughs> defensive run saved by zone on two one pitches is what you gave us. Like a stat that didn't matter. <laughs> Um, all right, Astros at Mariners this weekend. Uh, I'm gonna roll Astros. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Mariners. Go Mariners. Like, I know I can't pick them every series this year, but I think that they're gonna start coming out of this little funk. You know, after Robbie Ray got, got shelled. Um, uh, yeah. Twins at Red Sox. Red Sox home opener this weekend. Twins just almost had a perfect game thrown against them. So I'm going to go with the Red Sox. Um, I think the Red Sox start to really heat up. They put up nine runs on the Tigers um, on Wednesday. And so I think they're going to start looking pretty good. I'll go Red Sox with you. I'm going to think Shelly's going to get Red Sox as well, but I'm not going to guarantee that one. Um, all right, Giants and Guardians. The Guardians are playing pretty good baseball right now. They're hitting the ball pretty well. Um, Giants are playing good baseball too, however. So um, it's in Cleveland. Logan Webb, I think, through Wednesday. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll Giants. I'll roll Giants here, and I, I I can't bring myself to think that the Guardians lineup is gonna keep doing what it's doing. Mm, I'm gonna go Guardians. I think pitching. You just wanted me to him, write the longer name out on the uh, that part of that too, part of that too. But right. I also looked at it. Yeah, I, I got Guardians. I think they're pitching to hold up a little bit better. Uh, Rays and White Sox, pretty good series uh, at White Sox. So um, uh, Lance Lynn is not returning for this week. I, I don't know when he's coming back, but apparently he feels pretty good. Um, but I don't think he's coming back for this week. Uh, however, I'm going to go White Sox as well. Yeah. Side note, if you grow your beard out a little bit more, you would kind of resemble Lance Lynn a whole lot more. When you said that, like I seen Lance Lynn when I looked at you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go race. Go race. Need a little variability, right? This is either going to like drop me, like either I'm gonna bomb this weekend or I'm gonna come out ahead. Um, Diamondbacks at Mets. Is this really even a question? Like, this is the participation trophy of the night. And for that reason, I'm going to go Diamondbacks. They have won. I'm glad you are. Give me a win. 
Yes, they've won like two fluky games, like off of like drop fly balls and other stuff like that. That I feel like that against the Mets because I'm pretty sure they won tonight, did they not? I, I think, think so. Back might have won tonight. Uh, they, what's tonight? What's today? Uh, today's 14th. They did not play tonight. They did not. Maybe it was last night they won. Yeah. What was the last night? But uh, yeah, they beat the they beat the Astros last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they won an extra innings. That's right. I forgot they blew a they blew a two nothing lead late in the game. Uh, Zach Davies versus Chris Bassett for the first game. Yeah, I I like my chances there. I like my chances. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than than we might expect. Right. Which at that point, anybody has a chance. Yep. Yep. You're right. All right. Well, I'll get Shelly's picks and I'll put these out tomorrow morning. Um, we will see how we do in week two, but Shelly leads the standings by two by two uh, games over you and I. And with that, that wraps up. Hey, are we getting are we getting a championship belt or championship ring for, for our weekend picks? Ooh. I think to be a honest, belt. I, like, I think a belt. I like the ring idea though. All right, all right. Well, like, we, we can we can create a poll. We'll create a poll for it. Okay. I'll I'll put yeah. out a Twitter poll uh, for so, what what should be the winners' uh, trophy. Yeah, my my pick is the ring. That way, year after year, because let's be honest. Yes, we're all well. You're getting married. Shelly at some point is going to get married. I'm clearly married with a house full of kids. Love every one of them. Mm-hmm. But I see we're going to be doing this for a while, right? Yeah. Like this is just what we do. And all jokes aside, man, like this is like it's fun. It's therapeutic. You know, it's just fun to be able to kind of sit back and talk shop. You know, about something that we all love, mm-hmm. and that's baseball because it's played a big part in our lives. But like, I don't think it's going to be a one-time thing. So it would be nice to like look on my mantle and have 2022, you know, champ on the ring, and then you know, I could be three-time defending champ. You know. Might even bring back Uncle Rico. You know, he can talk about when he used to back in his day. Yeah, he's throwing it over the mountains. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode 88. Thank you for listening once again. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout. Go subscribe to us on YouTube, Dorm Room Sports, and uh, hit that subsection, Third Base Dugout, for all of our episodes. And make sure you go vote on the poll on Twitter that I'm going to put out tomorrow morning for um, for what our reward should be, whether it be a championship belt or a championship ring. Make sure you go vote on that. Let us know what you decide we should do. Um, I don't think I have anything else. I think that's all. Go cards. Go Tigers. <laughs>